Hi, and welcome to the second of six special episodes of the podcast, in which we consider what are the most important facets of workplace well-being. We're incredibly grateful to Wellworking for making the series possible, not only with their sponsorship, but also in their role as one of the UK's leading organisations in the field and their commitment to an informed debate on what is a complex and changing issue. Today's guest is Anna Davison. Anna is Head of Workplace Wellbeing at UK Active. UK Active is one of the driving forces behind a new approach to physical activity and well-being in people's lives, and it draws on the expertise and energy of such high-profile figures as Dame Tanny Gray-Thompson and Dame Carol Black. It works with people and organisations across the UK. Anna talks about the ways that organisations can help to improve the well-being of people in the workplace, looks at the vital role of ergonomics, as well as the growing emphasis on movement and physical activity, and the role that workplace design and working cultures can play. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Mark Eltringham, and this is the Workplace Insight Podcast. Anna, thank you so much for your time. Could you just introduce yourself very briefly, please? So I'm Anna Davison, um, and I'm the Head of Workplace Wellbeing for a not-for-profit called UK Active. And so the perfect um, person to hold this conversation today. First off, straight to basics, what do you think is the difference between ergonomics, movement, and physical activity? I think that's a really good and interesting question, and one that's sort of very pertinent when when people talk about things like workplace well-being and and workplace health more broadly at the moment Um, and I think it's it's three things that are of of equal importance for um, organizations and businesses to get right so when you think about you know there is a stat that lots of people talk about about you know spending eight hours a day sitting at a desk and you're 60% more likely to die of of diseases I think there's a number of things that come out of, of that kind of terrifying statistic and when you think about ergonomics I think fine so there are some jobs where people will need to sit for for prolonged periods of time so when they are sitting let's make sure that they're sitting in a way that is the most conducive to their own personal health and well-being Um, and I think ergonomics are very personal to individuals as well but then actually let's look at whether we can reduce that sitting time through movement so actually if someone is sitting a lot for their day could actually they do some of that work standing up using something like a sit-stand desk um, or even things like standing up while you're making phone calls um, and actually then taking that step further in terms of office environment and layout can you then encourage more movement during the working day so you know you hear ideas like let's not have um, dustbins under everyone's desk for example so that people actually need to go to a central place to, to get rid of their, their rubbish and their waste which just encourages them to take those small breaks away from their desk and away from that sitting posture that they might not otherwise do um, but then I think actually when you look at it again and you look at some of the, the evidence that's out there I think what people then need to find a way of overlaying on that is actually that more sort of movement and exercise related so when you talk about physical activity that's anything that's going to slightly get your heart rate up so actually I think there's a little bit of a myth that we want people to do that while they're they're standing or sitting at their desk which I think and I think that's why it's important to define the the three different things um, um, as you say because I think actually when you talk about physical activity that's something where you want to actually get away from that desk for something like a brisk lunchtime walk, which is actually going to help your productivity, your mental health, um, everything that, that we know that that kind of thing is, is good for. Um, so actually, I think when we say, right, okay, sitting for eight hours a day is bad. How can we start to make sitting for eight hours a day better? And I think the first thing is when they're sitting, make sure they're sitting as comfortably as they can reduce the amount they can sitting through things like movement through office design, but then actually build an office environment and a culture um, and a sort of permission culture that allows people to build in actual physical activity to get them away from that desk altogether. 
Do you think firms tend to fall back on design solutions when some of the answers are cultural? Potentially, yeah. I think actually it's sort of, I mean, workplace well-being, as we all know, is a, a hot topic at the moment. And I think really probably lots of businesses don't necessarily understand what it is. Certainly when I started in this role, I looked around for kind of a bit of a framework to say, well, actually, what, what does workplace well-being mean? And I think probably different businesses prioritize different things in that as well and I think there's there's a few things that could be seen as a bit of a, um, a tick box exercise for business things that are easier for them to get their heads around and easier for them to do I mean if you're a business with a lot of money for example investing in some really good um, sit-stand desk and excellent well-designed ergonomic chairs it's obviously going to be um, an easy and correct win for you to do whereas actually addressing your workplace culture might be slightly more difficult and might be more challenging for you as a company to really look inwards and say well actually what are we doing in terms of our culture for our staff that that maybe um, is not conducive to their health and well-being and I think for most businesses that's a much more difficult question because they really need to look inwards and really you know, the, the sort of senior leadership teams of those organisations need to ask themselves some pretty hard questions um, sometimes to actually really get to the bottom of, of, of what the real solution is. And I think there is no, you know, I hear this a lot, there is no silver bullet um, for workplace wellbeing. It's got to be a mixture of, of lots of different things. And there is never going to be a sort of number one solution and there's not going to be one thing that businesses can do that, that make this better. But yeah, I think anything that sort of makes them challenge themselves and challenge themselves as individuals is always going to be a more difficult question. One issue I always come back to is that of posture, which which was kind of enthroned as, a, as an issue by um, the DSE regs in the early 90s. And I think we've moved on since then, but I don't want you to bang a drum for the DSE regs in particular, but I've, I've got a particular problem that the regs still exist and are still promoted by the HSE and I, I, I kind of think there's nothing wrong with looking at people's posture but you know they need to look at a more uh, rounded uh, approach to this issue would you agree with that? Yeah I think partly and I think that the role that the HSE play in workplace health is obviously a crucial one and um, I'm not particularly an expert in sort of the things that they do but having I've heard a couple of presentations from them at, at recent conferences that I've been from and I think they are starting to think slightly more broadly in terms of, of what is the onus on um, on different organizations and I think you know there's there's two different ways of looking at this I guess there's the regulation and I think health and safety at work is a, a completely vital regulation that people need to get right need to understand and there's a legal obligation on on organizations to make the workplace a healthy safe environment for people to be in you, know, you don't want to come to work and get injured either mentally or physically and actually I think that's you know another question that we could probably spend another you know an extra half an hour talking about in terms of being mentally injured um, at work and I think that side and that regulations is vitally important to make sure that there's a framework um, and a structure um, and then I guess the, the question really is whose role is it to really focus on this other stuff and I think a lot of businesses are sort of asking themselves this question really and you know businesses government the supporting sectors including you know our own I work in the leisure and, and fitness sector I think you know what is the role of different businesses and organizations in making this kind of perfect storm of brilliant economics movement mental health physical well-being social inclusion actually you know I think what are the things that the government should be doing? What should individual businesses be doing? What should the rules and regulations say? And I think, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a long and complex um, topic. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, 
you know, there's a sort of health crisis in the UK and, and workplaces need to play their role in helping to solve that crisis in whatever way that looks. Okay. And how do you think technology has shaped the debate in the past few years? I think technology um, is definitely an interesting question. And I think it has a massively vital um, supporting and probably quite exciting role to play in some of this. So I think there's probably slightly two different ways of looking at it. There's sort of automation in, in the workplace and how that's changing and what workplaces look like, um, what job roles look like, what different things people are doing for work. Um, but also there is ways that technology can really help and support this. So I think you can look at everything from, you know, um, furniture that gives you a nudge to stand up every sort of, not a, a physical nudge, that would be a bit weird, but you know, like a, you can get these desks that after you've been sitting for 20 minutes will beep at you and suggest that you raise them into standing. And, you know, there's that kind of technology that can really start to encourage that movement in the office. But then there's also things like great platforms and engagement platforms that companies can use to really help them to build a broader wellbeing program. So actually there's apps that can, um, easily allow companies to introduce challenges and physical activity challenges for their employees. There's apps that individuals can use, things like, you know, Couch to 5K, which are amazing pieces of technology that can set people off on a, a journey that they might not otherwise have, have taken. So, yeah, I think that the role of technology is, is an exciting one. I mean, here at UK Active, we run a program called Active Lab, which uncovers some of the best um, fitness tech in the industry and we've come across some some really really good programs things like virtual health coaches for example that businesses can can have that they can make a service open to their employees where they can have access to a virtual health coach that can really help them to get to the bottom of their their sort of um, individual approach to their own well-being so yeah I think technology in terms of you know furniture office design great things that that people could do, but also that overlaying of platforms and apps and, and technology that can really start to, to help people to get to the bottom of what, what they want to do for themselves. Some of the research I see is kind of distorted slightly by the fact that the people taking part, the individuals, I mean, they, um, it tends to be the people who are already concerned about their well-being generally. You know, they, they, they're probably more likely to go to the gym, eat better, you know, not smoke, those sorts of things. Whereas the people who, who are perhaps less focused on that don't tend to participate in these sorts of programs. Do you, do you think that's a, a fair thing to say? And, uh, and if so, you know, what, what, what can we do to actually encourage more people to take part? I think that probably is true. I hear quite a lot about sort of, I think you know, people call them the worried well, um, who, are, who are probably the sort of partially active people or the partially healthy people who are actually conscious that they want to do something about their own health and well-being. And I think it sort of goes back slightly to the question um, that we were talking about earlier in terms of actually whose responsibility is this? And I think the responsibility is, is very much shared across a number of people. So um, you're not going to solve everything with an app because not everyone's going to want to engage with that. There's got to be other things going on both in the workplace and in wider society that actually are making people understand and see why they would want to focus on their own health and then actually offering the, them the opportunity and the, the sort of the time and the permission to be able to take control of their, their own well-being. I mean, and I think it's recognizing that not everyone needs to enjoy the same kind of things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a runner, I'm a long distance runner. I love going for, um, you know, running into work in the morning or riding my bike to work in the morning. And that really works for me. I know that if I get up early enough, run or cycle to work, I'm going to be really productive 
till I get to about three o'clock, then I'm just really hungry, but that's another story. Um, but for other people, that's, that's never going to be the thing that works for them. You, the thing that works for them might be making sure that they can have an hour for lunch and go for a walk, having some green space near where they work. Or it might be that they want to finish work at four and be able to pick their children up and play with their children for an hour after school rather than do, do something else. So I think when you talk about things like technology and apps and challenges and, and engagement, all of that is great, but it has to offer an element of choice. And I think when workplaces think about what they might want to offer to their, their work, their own sort of workforce, I think telling them to do something is never, is never going to have success. I think it's about offering a program that has the sort of the choice, the opportunity, the time and permission that rolls into to allowing them to do the things that actually make them personally feel the healthiest that they can be. So again, it comes back to culture and not just design solutions, but the, the designs I assume can actually not only indicate that culture, but actually nudge people into certain behaviors. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think, um, you know, I was having a conversation with um, Dame Carol Black, who sits on our board, who's one of the okay. sort of leading lights in, in workplace health recently. And we were talking about some of the things that, you know, as, as UK Active, I mean, we sort of work on our focuses around physical activity and building, you know, getting more people more active. That, that is what we do. And we were talking around um, some of the new technology and some great things that we've seen and some of the things we were looking at trying. And she said, look, at the end of the day, you can do all of these things and you can encourage businesses to put as much money into these as you can but if you don't fix a toxic culture it will not make any difference to the people that work there and how prevalent do you think toxic cultures are in this regard i think workplaces are now being challenged um a little bit to, and i think you know generationally things are changing and 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 things are developing i mean you only have to look at what's happened with mental health in the last 12 months and, and longer that uh, the, the subject is out there. The stigma is being smashed. People are being encouraged to talk about this. And I think workplaces are generally um, sort of my experience of work for a number of different companies over the last few years is that workplaces are really starting to take all of these things very seriously and um, not because they have to, but because they want to and because they see that it's the right thing to do. So yes, whilst I think there probably are still people working in cultures that don't allow them a lunch break, don't allow them, um, you know, any time to do anything for themselves and don't give them sort of the, the kind of environment that, that might make them feel healthy and well. I think it's, it's a problem that's getting better. And I think it's, um, it's definitely something that's improving. I think, you know, um, workplace wellbeing is whilst it, you know, not, you know, it's a complicated topic, but it is one that's being talked about. Whether people are talking about it in the right way or getting to the bottom of the right solutions, I think is a different question. But workplace well-being, mental health, physical health, um, all of the things that come with that are all being talked about. And they're being talked about at you know, a kind of a high level in the media and in society. And I think that can only be a good thing. And, and do you think people are fully aware of the links between um, physical activity and mental health? It's a good question. Um, we sort of... Um, do a little bit of work with with mine the mental health charity around some of this and they do some specific work in the physical activity sector and they do some great work in the, the physical activity sector um, and it's just something that we've sort of talked about is how much people are aware of of the impact of physical activity on mental health and I think it's hard to know whether people know that, that there is a link between the two or, or how different things can help with your mental health and also I think it's 
it's a very personal thing, mental health as well. So different things are going to help different people, right? And it's never going to be a, a, a one-size-fits-all solution. But yeah, it's a, it's a good question and one that actually be interesting to explore a bit, a bit further in terms of, um, and I don't know whether there's any good research out there to have a look around whether actually there's some really good, strong um, evidence base and, and tangible evidence that can help people see the link between the two because there definitely is a link. And I think not just to mental health, I think when you talk about workplaces, um, physical activity is not only linked to mental health, but also to productivity, because I think that the two things are very strongly aligned. And actually, when you start to talk about presenteeism and productivity in the workplace, actually the link to mental health and then onwards to physical activity is, is a really closely connected one. I think that the research is there. I mean, we obviously get a, a lot of things like surveys and reports in from people that are to some degree or other rooted in their sort of own commercial interests. So, you know, you have to look at those through that lens. But the academic research, and, and it's something we've covered in other conversations, is pretty clear, but it's often presented in a way that makes it inaccessible for people. It's, it's an old bugbear of mine. You know, there's, there's plenty of fantastic academic research, but it sits in the academy. It doesn't, doesn't really get out into the, into the world as it should do. So it'd be, be nice to see academics actually um, translating uh, the results they come up with for um, ordinary human beings. Yeah, I think that's a really good, good point. And that's one of the things that, that we do in, as an organisation is we do get involved in quite a lot of um, independent research and reports. Um, and I think for us, what we always try and do when we do that is make sure that there are tangible recommendations that come out of them, whether that's a policy recommendation or whether it's a recommendation that, you know, ordinary people, anybody, non-academics can look at and go, okay, actually that makes sense. That's how we kind of approach some of that. So yeah, maybe there's a, a, a gap there that, that we can explore as well in terms of sort of translating some of that into something that, that's, that's easier to understand. I think to me, I've also, well, you know, obviously there's a link between mental health and physical activity and maybe actually to some people it's not that clear. So certainly something that, that we might want to look into in more detail. Uh, my, my final question is uh, to look at um, where you think the debate will go in the near future. Are we, um, I think we've, we've probably still got a way to go in, in getting some of the messages out, but, but do, you, do, you see, do you see that happening and, and what are the mechanisms for that to happen? Yeah, I think where this will go in the future, I think is, is only positive. I think it just, it's just becoming more and more of a, of a hot topic as, as time goes by. And I think where it will go, I think is, is this sort of, more sort of broader understanding of, of what workplace well-being means, whether that's a framework or um, organizations coming together to present this in a, in a more coherent way. And also, I think what's starting to happen is the sort of world of um, rewards, recognitions and benefits. So that sort of more broader traditional HR world and the well-being world are starting to come much closer together. Um, and I think as that starts to combine, and I think what will what will happen, what I hope will happen and what I can see starting to happen is that companies will be able to understand more clearly how things like rewards, recognition, well-being, benefits, culture, office design, layout, all of these things fit together and companies will find it easier to navigate what I think is a complex topic and one of which there's loads and loads of options of, of ways that they could do stuff, all of which sound like they're going to cost you a fortune but actually a lot of them really don't um, so I think where I can see I think it's a, a converging of worlds um, I think you've got sort of the wellness world um, which has very specific aims and objectives you've got kind of a HR world and you've got you know the sort of business corporate profit 
world and I think all of those things are going to converge which can only be a good thing um, and that will help people and it will help businesses to understand um, what they can do about this and I think the other thing that's going to happen and we've sort of seen it in in recent research um, Deloitte have done some great research around sort of the future of the workplace and you know what Gen Z think and what millennials think and, um, and I think what will happen is the workforce will become more demanding and discerning and that will drive the change as well so you know people will come into the workplace and be like well do you have this program do you offer this actually what sort of chairs do you have what's your policy around flexible working um, and I think actually the workforce will become more discerning at the same time as hopefully this whole world of workplace well-being becomes easier to understand and implement and over time those two things will come together to to create a much better working environment um, in the UK and hopefully globally. And I think we've all we've all got our role to play in that. And certainly, I don't think you know we work primarily in physical activity. But what I don't believe is that that's more important than than other areas of well-being. And I think the onus as well is on us as those organisations to work together to to say right. Well, actually, physical activity is one element of this, and it's great. Uh, but actually what about office design what about financial well-being what about mental health how can we be more coordinated to allow businesses to find this easier to do um, so i don't know whether that's where the business is going to go but certainly aspirationally that is where i would like this topic to go um, and certainly the the evidence that i've seen in terms of the, the trends and things um, and the direction of travel is that, that that's what's going to happen so i think that can only be a good thing that's wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today. No worries. Thank you very much for talking to me.